Hey there. Before we get started, we want to take a moment to thank you for tuning in to the Kuhau Podcast. We hope it encourages you and draws you closer to Jesus as you listen. Let's get excited for this message and let's get ready to hear from God. Mark chapter 1, verses 2 through 13, it says, It began as the prophet Isaiah had written. God said, I will send my messenger ahead of you to open the way for you. Someone is shouting in the desert, get the road ready for the Lord, make a straight path for him to travel. So John appeared in the desert, baptizing and preaching. Turn away from your sins and be baptized, he told the people, and God will forgive your sins. Many people from the province of Judea and the city of Jerusalem went out to hear John. They confessed their sins, and he baptized them in the Jordan River. John wore clothes made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. He announced to the people, the man who will come after me is much greater than I am. I am not good enough even to bend down and untie his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Not long afterward, Jesus came from Nazareth in the province of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. As soon as Jesus came up out of the water, he saw heaven opening and the spirit coming down on him like a dove and a voice came from heaven. You are my dear son. I am pleased with you. At once, the spirit made him go into the desert where he stayed for 40 days, being tempted by Satan. Wild animals were there also, but angels came and helped him. I want to pray with you guys. Lord, man, I I, I pray that you just move mightily. That after today, we may hear your voice like never before. That we may be good discerners of your voice. And that in this moment, Lord, in this moment, none of this matters if we don't connect with you. So that in this moment, you may speak to your church and your community. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen. The title for today's talk, the prayer that is dangerous that we are going to be unpacking is called Lead My Path. Lord, lead my path. Say that with me, guys. Lead my path. Now, I just roped you in because in saying it, we're praying it, right? Lord, lead my my path. Now, the reason this prayer is dangerous is because when you say that, the answer to it is now the Lord will guide you and direct you. You are surrendering yourself to his will and following his Voice, but that's difficult when you've spent however many years before praying this prayer listening to your own voice. I am trained to hear my voice 
and my emotions and lead myself. Some of us maybe have grown up with, with maybe not even hearing our own voice, but following the voice of others and other people's expectations and what they've put on us. And now I have to figure out how to discern what is God's voice and what is not. And that's scary, I think, from experience because of our own personal fear of failure. Like, what if I think I'm on the path? And then I end up being wrong. And, and I don't think it's dangerous because we don't trust God. No, I think in saying the prayer, we are giving him our trust. We're saying, Lord, lead my path. I now trust you. I know that you are the one who should be leading. I know that you are the one who is good. I know that you will direct me. So we're, we're giving that trust to him. But I think in doing that, what's so hard is we don't trust ourselves. If, if you've ever had, like, I think of people who have had fears of committing in relationships, it's not because of the person, it's because of their own inner conflict. And I think sometimes we pray this prayer but have a fear of commitment because we think it's only a matter of time before we fail. And listen, hearing from God is weird. There are so many people who do it confidently, and I'm like, nah, you, 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 you too sure. You know, and it's how easy it is to invoke the name of God and say, the Lord told me. Like, you know, like there be people that that's their pickup line. God told me you're my wife. The Lord has made you for me. I can feel it. Start speaking in tongues. Does it, yeah, I'm not going to go there. It's weird. It's difficult. It's awkward. Sometimes we are wrong. Like sometimes we think it's God, but it's not. It's our emotions. It's our anxieties. It's our thoughts. It's our worries. It's our own desires. Did I ever tell you guys about the time I tried to resurrect? Already, that's it, right? That's not. Listen, Kuhau is a judgment-free zone. And when I can feel your judgment even through the camera, there's a problem, all right? I tried to resurrect a mouse. It's okay, guys. It's okay. True story. Lisa will confirm. I called her crying when it didn't work. Tried to resurrect a mouse. Here, here's what happened. Here's what happened, all right? So I'm rushing home I'm running home because you know when your body tells you it's time to go like there's no debating it like you can't negotiate really with your body like you just gotta go get to the door storm upstairs jump into the bathroom from there we'll stop um and out of the corner of my eye I see this mouse stuck in a glue glue trap that my mother has set out to to capture them I've told her that I don't like those I think they're inhumane and so in that conversation, she's adjusted, and because she's, you know, she said, all right, no more glue traps. So she got traps that now electrocutes them to death. <laughs> and I'm like, I guess. And then, of course, I have to empty them because she's terrified of mice. But whatever. Anyway, so glue trap, mouse is stuck, helpless. I finished doing what I got to do. I'm like, I got to save him. Like, I can't. He is, listen, all right? He is created by God. I know there's some of you who think mice are the spawn of Satan, but this is a mouse. This is a, an adorable creature, all right? 
I know you guys got Disney Plus. Mickey Mouse <laughs> is worthy of life too. And so I'm like, I got to figure this out in 15 minutes. Thank, thank goodness for Google because you could become an expert in anything with the internet. 15 minutes, I'm a vet. I know how to get this mouse. Well, I think I do because you guys know how this story is going to end. Um, trying to get this mouse out. There is an oil stain on my, because they said that oil will help get them out. They were wrong. There's an oil stain on my porch to this day. And it's on my porch because, of course, I didn't try to set him free in my house. I'm not that crazy, all right? Crazy enough to try to save a mouse, not let him live here rent-free, you know? So oil stain on my porch to this day because I was trying to get him out. Needless to say, Mickey doesn't make it. I'm stunned. I'm upset. But, you know, I'm like, Lord, you're going to give me the desires of my heart, you know? So I start praying. I start praying in Spanish because when you pray in Spanish, it sounds more powerful. <laughs> Except... I don't speak Spanish good, so it just sounds bad. I think that might have been why it didn't work. I'm like, como lajaro, Lord, como lajaro. The way you raised Lazarus, Lord. Lazar mouse. That wasn't a joke. That was just what happened. Like, had there been people, we would have had vigilia. Where my Pentecostals out? We would have sang curitos. We would have got a tambourine out. Do they still make tambourines? I want to know. Like, I tried everything. I had a worship playlist all on resurrection, you know? What is it? You breathe, how's it go? You breathe life into the dry bones, whatever. Needless to say, well, actually, I have this playlist going. I've now moved to the back of my house, because he's dead, right? So I'm like, all right, we could try to resurrect him in the house, I guess. Praying over him. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, nothing, all right? Nothing happened. The mouse is dead. Jerry died. Jerry did not make it. But I share this story in the hopes that you will know that I know how hard it is to hear God's voice because I know how many times I've been wrong and I want to, you know, you know what the thing is? I can't even say this was like week one of me being a believer. This was like, like two, two years ago, but I've been, <laughs> I've been wrong so many times and maybe you're hearing like, why are they putting the guy who's been wrong so much to talk about hearing God's voice and well, Russell Brand once gave a, a talk on relationships, and he said, you know how I, why I'm qualified to speak on this? Because I've failed every relationship I've been in, so I've been an expert on how to do it wrong, so I know how to do it right. And I can tell you I've tried every way that was my way in hearing God's voice. And I've been wrong so many times, and what's worrisome is that being wrong can become discouraging. Like, it's embarrassing, honestly. Like, like, yeah, I really thought that, um, like, we laughed now, but I really thought that mouse was going to come back to life. But we can't pray, Lord, lead my path, and not be able to listen for his voice or not even attempt it. But it's so scary to say, hey, I, this is the way that God is telling me to go, and then realizing 
later on that it was actually me who was telling me, that it was my emotions, my, my fears, my thoughts, my anxieties that were louder. So then how do we do this? Like, what's the formula to getting this right? How do I know what I'm hearing is actually God leading my path and it's not still me just saying that it's God or it's not me going down my own path and hoping he'll co-sign it? How do I do that? This is what I want to unpack for us today. I, I, I want to give a disclaimer first, though, and it's this. I personally believe, I personally believe that when it comes to hearing the voice of God, when it comes to this life in Jesus, that you won't ever 100% know. Because then it stops being faith. It's, it's not faith if you know. And so here's, here's a pro tip that I'll give you, and it's alleviated a lot of the pressure. But also what it's done is it's allowed me to be more open-handed with the things that I believe God is leading me down. And it's this one little phrase. There's actually a couple different ways you can say this. It's, I think. I think God is leading me this way. Can you guys say, I think? I think. I think. I believe I'm meant to go in this direction. I feel compelled to go down this way. Because what that does is it takes the pressure off having to know. Because I think when we make I know statements, we become locked in and we start to hold on to so tightly what we thought we know that sometimes not even God can get in and tell us, nah, that wasn't me. But when we say things like, I think, I feel compelled, I believe, we hold on to those convictions a little bit more open-handedly. And it allows us to wrestle with this thing that can be so difficult to figure out. Like, I, I, I believe and I'm so, I so feel compelled, as sure as I am up here, to that I am called to be a preacher. But I, I would stay away from the statement, I know, I feel like I know. I'm compelled, everything within me is compelled to preach. But to say I know would immediately lock in that this is all that God has for me. And maybe he might want to do something else in the future. Maybe he might want to course correct. I remember my entire time in college, I thought I was going into school for child psychology. But as I began to progress, I felt like the Lord was leading me in other ways. I, I remember telling Ro, hey, I know that I'm called to major in uh, I feel like I'm called to major in psychology. You see how easy it is to say I know? But I actually think that the Lord's changing that in me. That he led me down this path, but it, it, it's not going to look like what I, what I think it's going to look like. And he said, well, what do you think it's going to look like now? I said, I don't know anymore. But I'm just surrendered to wherever he leads me. And the best thing that you can say is I think. Because it makes you more open-handed. And I think sometimes we hold on to where we think God is leading us. And so we take a step out and then we feel like we have to keep going. And it makes us fear being wrong. And there's some ways that we can confirm if it's God. But if we're always saying, I know, it makes it harder to do that. When we say, I think, we can now submit it and surrender it and truly come under God's leadership. <sighs> Mark chapter 1, our opening verse that we just read, is jam-packed with purpose, and it's actually an account. I remember saying, Lord, I know these are the three methods that you use to speak to your people. I wish there was a way I could find a scene in the Bible that depicts all three of these methods interacting together. 
And I just thought of Jesus' baptism. And I want to glean from Mark chapter 1, from this passage, how to hear from God's voice and to be led by him. And I think in this passage, we find the three ways that we can confirm and get better at fine-tuning ourselves to God's voice. I'm going to give them to you, and then we're going to unpack them. The three ways are this. God's word, God's people, God's spirit. God's word, God's people, God's spirit. Mark chapter 1, verse 2 says this. It began as the prophet Isaiah had written. It began as it was written. God said, I will send my messenger ahead of you to open the way for you. What we see is before he even begins to describe any events, he says, the the author who this book is attributed to, Mark says that, hey, what I'm about to describe, what began is actually something that falls in line and is supported and is backed by scripture by the Hebrew Bible, by what we call the Old Testament. The prophet Isaiah actually said these things already. And if you read Isaiah and read the events I'm going to describe, you'll see that they line up. And Mark isn't alone in doing this. As a matter of fact, all the writers of the gospel um, didn't just depend on describing Jesus' life and how powerful it was but they also aligned what their claims were to their scriptures um, to solidify and confirm what they were saying. The Gospel of Matthew quotes the Old Testament 96 times. The Gospel of Mark, 34 times. The Gospel of Luke quotes it 58 times. And the Gospel of John quotes it 40 times. And Jesus himself references scripture. it's alleged that he he references scripture about 45 times in his ministry. And each time, well, as a matter of fact, in total, the New Testament, the entire New Testament, so beyond the Gospels, the Gospels plus the letters written by Paul and by Peter and and to the early church, the entire New Testament quotes scripture, the, the Hebrew Bible, 855 times. And almost always... It's not like, hey, guys, just want to give you the verse of the day. No, almost always it's in support of a claim. Paul's entire ministry is spent defending Gentile inclusion to following Jesus because the Jews, when Jesus died, they thought that Jesus only died for them. And he spends his entire ministry arguing, no, 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 Jesus died for the world. But he doesn't just use evidence and debate and explain what Jesus says. He goes, let me show you guys how even the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, says this and confirms my belief on what God is doing right now. And we see Jesus do this. And what I call the gangster of Jesus. Because this moment, I think, like, yo, Jesus is a gangster. In Luke, it says that Jesus went to Nazareth, Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath, he went, as usual, to the synagogue. He stood up to read the scriptures and was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has chosen me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. 
to set free the oppressed and announce that the time has come when the Lord will save his people. I want to emphasize that and announce that the time has come when the Lord will save his people. This is what Jesus reads, and then this is what Jesus says. He rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. All the people in the synagogue had their eyes fixed on him as he said to them, the, the, this passage of scripture has come true today as you heard it being read. Jesus' claim about what God's will and what God was doing was to just read Isaiah. He doesn't even make a new claim. Isaiah says the time is now when the Lord will save his people. And Jesus says, yeah, as I read it, that's what was happening. He aligns what his belief in what God is, God is willing and God is calling to Scripture. And I think that's so cool because so often we're looking for a new word. But God, Jesus doesn't say, hey, here's what God told me this morning. And his own sentence, he says, hey, here's what God is telling me. And he quotes scripture. And I say all of this to say that, that God will never say something or bring something into being that doesn't already align with what he said and done. Like it goes to show how important God's word is to being led down his will and his path. That even Jesus, being Jesus, valued the scriptures and what he claimed. And then this is what Paul says about scripture in 2 Timothy. He says, but as for you, continue in the truths that you were taught and firmly believe. You know who your teachers were. And you remember that ever since you were a child, you have known the scriptures which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to the salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God. All scripture. And is useful for teaching the truth, rebuking error, correcting faults, and giving instructions for right living. So that the person who serves God may be fully qualified and equipped to do every kind of good deed. The Sparks Note version is this. The scripture is valuable to teaching you, correcting you, giving you instructions, and equipping you for every kind of good deed. Do you, do you guys want to know what God is saying? I, I want to hear back from you guys. Do you guys want to know what God is saying for your life? You guys want to know? Well, then, we, we just need to read what he's already said. You see, God will never, you will never need to know if God is telling you to love your neighbor because it's been written time and time again that we are called to love your neighbor. So if you are feeling that you are being led down a path to love your neighbor, his Bible confirms that you don't need to pray about it. You don't need to fast about it. You don't need to think about it. You don't ever need to know if, if you're called to walk down the path of forgiveness. Because God has called us to forgive people as quickly as Jesus forgave us. You know how quick Jesus forgave us? That us, before we ever came into being, Jesus had died for us. And it says that Jesus was set aside before the world was created to bring forgiveness into this world. So if I am feeling that I ought to forgive, man, I 
I don't need to think about that because if I'm reading his word, it automatically tells me. And my first point, this is the foundation. It's what I've wanted to spend the most time on because I think it is pivotal in deciphering and knowing God's will and word for our lives. It's God's word. Become familiar with what God has already spoken. God will never speak against what he's already said. In other words, God's not going to change his mind on forgiveness, even though I wish he would. I got, you know, my, I primarily use the Bible app. I think every time I get an update, it's going to be like, hey, forgiveness was a bug. It actually says bitterness. Corinthians actually says love does hold record of wrong. You know, that's what I think I'm going to get, but that doesn't happen. But what's cool about this, what's so special about God's word is that the more you read it, the more you get to know him and how he speaks and his character. And you start to develop this automatic filter like a thought will come to your mind and you'll say, smack him? No, no, no. That's, God wouldn't say that. Forgive him. Oh, that's of God. And these things that we get so conflicted about become easy because we know what he sounds like. In the Bible, it literally says things like, God said. I want to know what he's saying. He won't say things that he hasn't said, that don't line up with what he has said. And he won't tell you to do things that he said not to do once. In, it's not just his word, though. It's our anchor, it's our foundation, but it's also, I want to unpack how his people are there to help us as well. And so if we continue in Mark, it says that he announced, it's talking about John the Baptist, um, to the people, the man who will come after me is much greater than I. I am not good enough even to bend down and untie his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Not long afterward, Jesus came down from Nazareth in the province of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. I, I also want to pull a different account of Jesus' baptism in the Gospel of John in Um, This is a different John. This is John the disciple talking about this moment. And in it, we're talking about John the Baptist. John the Baptist gives a testimony about what has happened. And John the disciple, a lot of Johns, I know, is recording this. And he says in John chapter 1 that John the Baptist gave this testimony. I saw the spirit come down like a dove from heaven and stay on him. I still did not know that he was the one, but God who sent me to baptize with water had said to me, you will see the spirit come down and stay on a man. He is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. I have seen it said, John. And I tell you that he's the son of God. What we see in these two accounts is that John the Baptist is preaching, proclaiming that Jesus is the Son of God. But it's not until after Jesus' baptism that Jesus starts teaching and proclaiming that. So the calling over Jesus' life 
was not just Jesus' revelation all by himself. What God was speaking to Jesus, what God knew was the will of the Father, was not his own revelation for just himself. What's crazy is, of anybody who could just hear from God by themselves, it should be Jesus. He don't need a cosign. His life is crazy. His death is even more powerful because the dude comes back. Like, that's it. Like, you come back from death, Twitter needs to give you a verified check. Like, you just, yeah, whatever you do, I got you. And we see that even his life spoke to people. But even in the power of Jesus, God reveals to people what he is going to do with Jesus. He doesn't just tell John the Baptist. He tells Mary and Joseph. He tells Zechariah and Elizabeth. And let's not forget the prophets who hundreds of years before Jesus stepped on the scene were prophesying that a man like Jesus would step on the scene for hundreds of years. See, God's desire is for unity within him. And I think that God desires us for all us all to be in community and in relationship. And it's all over scripture that God desires us to be one. And I think because of this, he doesn't just speak to us. He'll never just tell you something that he's not telling someone else. And because of that, I think it is imperative, it is imperative for us to have people like John the Baptist around us. People who already see the path that God is leading us down and can affirm what his call over our lives is. We need godly people who are also reading his word and are anchored in his word. Not the book of opinions. Not the book of what they think is good for your life. Not those people, but people like Pastor Rowan Lee, who I love so much because they've been there so many times to show me how to course correct. I bet you if I called Lee before I tried to resurrect the mouse, I wouldn't have an anecdote. But they've also been there with me to, to, in some of my scariest convictions on where I thought God was leading me to. I felt called to go to Nyack College, but that, that, that uh, tuition made me feel not so called. And I remember looking to Roe and him saying, yeah, I feel it too. And here I am four, four, and a half, four and a half years later, going on five, having graduated. And I am so grateful that that is where I pursued my education. Uh... Just recently, I came to them with something, and I said, hey, I feel like God is leading me out of this season and serving in this area of ministry, and I had a five-point sermon on why and how, and their response was, yeah, we've been feeling that too. And that feels so good when you have people confirming and affirming where God is calling you, but not just yesing where God is calling you, but willing to say, I don't think that's the path for you. And willing to get in there, this is why you have to come in open-handed because get in there and say, I think this part of it is right, but this is where you might have to adjust some of these expectations. And this is how I think, this is how I see what God is doing in your life. I have four, four very close friends, two of which are my, my best friends, Zab and Dyron, who are 
doing life with me and are able to see when I start to step away from the path that they know God is calling me down. And able to bring me in. I have two other friends who are pastors and are able to give me advice from that vantage point. Raph and David. David is also pursuing a career in psychology. He's actually ahead of me, which is not fun because he knows more and uses it against me. I remember telling him one time something and he's like, Ruben, I, I was like, man, I think you know the answer. You're just in denial. I didn't like that at all but I definitely needed to hear it. So how do I know that this is God's voice, God's word, but also God's people? Become familiar with people who are in deep relationship with God and can confirm and correct your convictions and will also champion God's call over your life. You know what John does? John literally is creating a path for Jesus. Seriously. Like if you read Mark, he says it began as the prophet had written. And what did the prophet say? Isaiah says, I will send my messenger ahead of you to open the way for you. And then he says, John appeared in the desert, baptizing and preaching. Turn away from your sins and be baptized, he told the people, and God will forgive your sins. John is literally the person that is creating and opening the way for Jesus' calling and purpose. We need people in our lives who are not just going to call us out, but are going to carry us forward. See, I think, especially for those of us who have grown up in maybe more legalistic churches and, and things like that, we confuse accountability with soul correction, just solely correction. And I am always telling you, because I love you, this is where you're falling short. This is where you're messing up. This is how you're not adding to the mark because I care about you. But it is more than correction. It is, it is, it is also affirming and championing, championing the right things and where God is calling you. Do you, you know how Jesus gets his first two followers? In, in I think, Luke or Matthew. Oh, it's John. <laughs> In the book of John, chapter 1, it says the next day, this is right after Jesus' baptism. The next day, John was standing there again with two of his disciples when he saw Jesus walking by. There is the Lamb of God. Who's John with? Two of his own disciples. And it says that John says, he sees Jesus walking and says, there's the Lamb of God. And those two disciples hear him and went with Jesus. Jesus turns around and asked, what are you looking for? And they go, where do you live, rabbi? This word means teacher. My man Jesus was just walking by. He didn't clock in yet. He goes, what are you looking for? He's just walking. He's like, hey, what are you guys looking for? And John shouts out his calling. And now all of a sudden, Jesus is being called teacher because of something that John did. Not because of Jesus' own efforts. Jesus knew who he was going to be. Jesus knew he was the son of God. But because John shouted him out, he now has followers. Like my man John gave him a real life Instagram shout out. He's like, hey fam, check out my cousin Jesus. My man is amazing. He's a miracle. Check him out. Follow him at 
the Lamb of God. <laughs> Hashtag profit like it's hot. That was Zab, Zab. I was like, Zab, I need help. I said, prophet like it's hot. See, I'm making up for last time, Zab. Now I'm bigging you up. He gets two followers. Yo, in ancient day Israel, two followers is like 200,000 followers. There was a meme. This is going to take me up on time. But there was a meme that was like 20 followers on Instagram. 20 people following you on Instagram. Eh. 20 people following you down the street, run. <laughs> but what's crazy is it was John's own followers. And I think sometimes we get, we get scared of affirming other people's callings because we're worried about the followers we're going to lose. Like if God uses them, is God going to use me? I'm in this season of transition and I'm watching the people that are replacing me. Fun fact, I'm like, oh, wow, it took this many people to replace all the things I did. But it's crazy because there's these moments where it feels like I'm being pushed out. Right? And I haven't expressed that because it's so, it's so not the case. I don't want to do these things. I want to do different things in ministry. But I start to see different people stepping into the role that I was in, and I start to see them also do it better. And there's this moment of, huh, and even in something that I know I said, I said, hey, it's time for me to transition. I said this, and in the transition, I still feel like I want to hold on, and I think of how many people we've not championed because we were scared of losing followers. Here's, here's another crazy thing, and this came to me while I was doing my notes. It, it's the Apostle Paul. This happens to Paul as well. Paul was killing Christians, persecuting them. And then he has an encounter with Jesus, and he's blinded. And what's interesting is Jesus does not tell Paul what he wants to do in Paul's life. But he just blinds him, sends him, to, sends him somewhere, and says that some guy, somebody's going to come heal you. That's what he tells the Apostle Paul. Then he tells the person, Ananias, who has no other claim to fame, does not come up in the Bible until, until Paul is talking about this experience. But that's all, this is all that Ananias is connected to. God shows up and tells Ananias, you know, need to go heal him. Ananias says, he's killing us. And God says, I want to use Paul to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. And I looked, he never tells Paul this. He doesn't tell Paul, hey, I want to use you. They go back, they heal Paul, and it doesn't say, and then God told Paul. He, he re eventually reveals to him, but, but before Paul even knew, a man named Ananias was used and included in championing Paul's calling. And it goes deeper than Ananias. I want to read this text. It says this, after Paul's conversion, he immediately begins preaching the gospel. And then somewhere in Acts, it says, when he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him. Not believing that he was really a disciple, but Barnabas took him 
and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Paul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem. Because someone was willing to champion Paul's calling. We need to be that for each other. That we don't just hear the voice of God for, for other people, but we are actively moving and championing people's calling in our community, in their lives, because God desires us to do that, to be in community. And, and I just felt this, it connects around this moment, but again, this isn't something that I plan to say, so um, forgive me if it doesn't come out the most eloquent, and I rehearsed everything else. This part, I was just up here, and I, I just felt the need to, to say to our online community that there is a need for in-person. That if you can make it, can I, can I invite you and implore you that if you can, if you're not someone who's at risk or is around someone who's at risk, can I assure you that we are taking the proper precautions? But months ago, in, in the, I think the beginning of September, Pastor Rose said, hey, we need to relaunch in person now that we're able to. Not because it's fun, not because it's cute, but because our community, there is just something about a community in person. Everybody here is here for a reason, taking time out of their day, coming in person <laughs> for the very thing that they can see online. But it's not what they're getting up here it's what they're getting in here. There's something about this atmosphere that shifts. You need community, in-person community. So if I can just encourage you, try one service. I'm just going to go to one in-person service. We're taking the precautions. We are doing everything right. But I promise you, our church, our leadership, seven people, a team of seven leaders busted our butts trying to do online service at the same time getting a whole in-person church ready and rehearsing out our days that weren't Sundays putting in overtime mind you we're all all here of our own free volition all here voluntarily not because of anything other than this we knew that there was a need for God's people to gather we just knew I'm telling you, like, trying to edit and put together a live service and get this off the ground. All for this, that we would get to do this. And I'm telling you, online is a great supplement. But God has called us to be together for a reason. So if you could take that chance, listen, nothing beyond what you are able to. Again, I would never, we would never... If, again, like if you're at risk or if somebody else is at risk, all of those things, like, no. But if you, ha if you can, can I encourage you to take a chance? Take a chance on community. And, hey, if it's the same thing, then it's the same thing. But I, I promise you that, that there are people showing up in person for a reason, not because it's convenient, not because it's just nicer. It's because it's deeper. Amen. Now, now what's really cool, what's really good is, is we have God's word and we have God's people, but he's also given us a helper. And as, as we close and move into Mark chapter 1, 
um, chapter, verses 10 through 13. It says, as soon as Jesus came up out of the water, I opened this water, I don't think I drank it. He saw heaven opening and the spirit coming down on him like a dove and a voice came from heaven. You are my own dear son. I am pleased with you. At once the spirit made him go into the desert where he stayed for 40 days being tempted by Satan, wild animals and where there were there also but angels came and helped him. I want to focus on two phrases. The spirit coming down on him like a dove and a voice came from heaven, you are my own dear son. And then where it says, at once the spirit made him go into the desert where he stayed for 40 days. In the moment that Jesus is baptized, we see Holy Spirit enter the scene, descend on him, and it's then that God speaks. And then after that, the Holy Spirit leads him. And all throughout Jesus' ministry, we see that the Holy Spirit is at work and is who empowers him. When defending himself against the Pharisees in Matthew 12, he says, You say that I drive out demons because Beelzebul gives me the power to do so? Well, then who gives your followers the power to drive them out? What your own followers do proves, them, proves that you are wrong. And then he says this, No, it's not Beelzebul, but God's Spirit. Who gives me the power to drive out demons, which proves that the kingdom has already come upon you. And then Acts 10 records Peter saying this about Jesus. You know about Jesus of Nazareth and how God poured out on him the Holy Spirit and power. He went everywhere doing it good and healing all who were under the power of the devil. God was with him for God was with him. God's spirit empowers Jesus in his life and his ministry to hear what God is calling and willing him to do. And it's Jesus. Like the Bible says that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God, that all things were created through him and that this was Jesus. And even Jesus relied on the Holy Spirit. How much more should we? And here's what's crazier. In Romans 8, it says that for the spirit, this is Paul writing to, to us, to the church, for the spirit God has given you does not make you slaves and cause you to be afraid. Instead, the spirit makes you God's children. And by the spirit's power, by the spirit's power, we cry out, Father, my father. See, God's spirit joins himself to our spirits to declare that we, you, me, them, us, we are God's children. And since we are his children, we possess the blessings he keeps for his people. And we also possess with Christ what God has kept for him. We possess with Christ what God has kept for him. For if we share in Christ's suffering, we also share his glory. God has given us, this is mind-blowing to me, that God has given us the same spirit that was with Jesus when he was baptized. And when Jesus was baptized, God says, this is my son who I'm well pleased. That God has given us that same spirit and that same spirit 
that same spirit makes us his sons and daughters with whom he is well pleased, I'm sure. My last point in hearing God's voice is God's spirit. How do, how do I know it's God, God's word, God's people, but also his spirit? See, I need to become familiar with God's Holy Spirit. It's the one who helps us, teaches us, empowers us to discern God's voice and his will for our lives. This is what Paul says about God's spirit. Or this is actually Jesus, I'm sorry. In John chapter 1, he says, Jesus says this to his disciples. I have told you this while I am still with you. The helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and make you remember all that I have told you. See, God's Spirit will take this book that was written with by people who didn't even have you in mind. There's not one prophecy in there that says, Reuben, a six foot two, handsome man with impeccable rhythm. I looked for it. will take this book written by people who never even had you in mind and all of a sudden you will be reading his word and it will speak to situations with such specificity such precision you will feel like they wrote it to you like how did they how many times Yvette how many times God comes for you on a book that was written years centuries before she ever existed centuries before we ever came to life it will that's his spirit illuminating scripture in your life and speaking to you he will take conversations with people godly people man ungodly people people random people people who you think like nah like i'm better than this person we all do it i know and all of a sudden they'll be <laughs> oh i feel like bell just got convinced <laughs> now you get me but people that, that could just be saying the most randomest things and the most random word, all of a sudden his spirit will take it and start bringing revelation to your life. And he'll just start hitting you with such specificity, such precision that you will swear they were in the room with you. They like, no, 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 you must have been creeping on my conversation. You work for the NSA. make a corny joke now nah, I work for the GSA God's Spirit administration what's NS that's all right <laughs> but they will begin to speak to you and not even intentionally because his spirit that was united with Jesus and empowered him to do everything will empower you how do we do this how do I read God's word? Like, how do I develop these habits? How do I get to know his spirit? How do I get to know God's people? Well, I'm glad you let me ask for you. I've been doing these, these things, these sessions with a pastor called Chad Veach on this app that I use called Faithful. And it's like a path to a positive mind. None of that matters. Um, in them, at the end of each video, he says, I want to give you 
an action item so that you'll take this message and put it into practice. So I want to do that for you guys. And so here, here are our action items. If you want to become familiar with his word, if you want to become familiar with his people, and you want to become familiar with his spirit, I, I want to help you by starting with some steps. It can seem big. How do you eat an elephant, though? One bite at a time. One bite at a time. So God's word. Start a Bible plan. The YouVersion Bible app has thousands, dozens, hundreds of Bible plans. They can be as long or as short. You could do a three-day Bible plan. You can, you can find other Bible plans. They sell Bible plans online. You can go to Amazon and type in Christian Bible plan. God's people. How, how do I get started in becoming familiar with God's people? Well, connect with someone you trust. One person. Say, hey, can we, we can't go out to eat anymore, but can we order out? set up a phone call. I have a mentor. She lives all the way somewhere in New Jersey, like 50 minutes away. And we, at least once a month, we call, we make a phone call. And that time, that one hour phone call is so much of a blessing in my life. Connect with someone you trust. Just, hey, can we commit to just calling each other once a month, once every three months, whatever works for you, but commit to connecting with someone. And then lastly, God's spirit. Just commit to 10 minutes a day in worship and prayer. 10 minutes. There's 24 hours in a day. And I promise you, like, like I think sometimes, I know, I know sometimes. I can say I know on this one because I'm very all or nothing. And if I can't spend what I think is the holy amount, you know, like, oh, Jesus spent the whole morning with him. You know, I kind of give up. But let's just start small. The Bible says that a, a mustard seed, the faith as small as a mustard seed moves mountains. What, what could 10 minutes do of worship? Just I'm gonna, You don't even have to worship. Trust me, I can't sing. I let people worship for me. Put on music. I put on a playlist. There's bunches of bunch of playlists. Spend 10 minutes. I'm going to put 10 minutes of worship. And I'm, you know what prayer is? If you're new, if you don't know what prayer is, prayer is simply talking to God. Directing your thoughts, your conversations to God. That's all it is. It doesn't have to be eloquent. Doesn't, you could just say, hey, Jesus. Hi, Sky Daddy. What's going on, Abba? Just wanted to tell you about my day. Those are our three action items. God's word, God's people, God's spirit. And lastly, before we close here, I want to give you the antidote for this fear of failure. Because I think what's harder about all of this is that we're scared to get it wrong. That we'll apply these things and maybe it won't work or whatever. Well, what's cool about God's word is it has an answer for that. In Isaiah, we're just looking at Isaiah today. Now I'm like Mark. As it is written, if you wander off the road, this is God. This is Isaiah prophesying that this is what God is saying to the nation of Israel while the nation of Israel is rebelling against God, actively saying, Lord, we don't want you to lead our path. This is his mercy and love for them. That he says, if you wander off the road to the right or the left, you will hear his 
voice. You will hear God's voice saying, here is the road. Follow it. You might make the wrong decisions. Sometimes your voice, your flesh might be louder. You'll wander off the path. You'll end up somewhere like, how did I get involved in this? How did I, how could, how did I think that this was God? But God will always, always guide you back. Isn't it crazy that in hearing his voice, it's all these steps, but even if you get it wrong, you will hear his voice. That even if you want, Lord, lead my path, and even if you run in the opposite direction, you'll hear his voice saying, hey, no, that's, that's the path. That's his love for you. So don't be, because I've been there. I've gotten it wrong and been so scared that I was going to get it wrong again that I stopped praying, Lord, lead my path. But can I tell you guys, don't be so caught up in getting it right that you never get it started. You're going to get it wrong. Jesus died for that. We're human. The Bible is the story of us getting it wrong and Jesus is getting it right for our sake. I get it wrong all the time. I've only tried to resurrect a mouse once, but I get it wrong all the time. We get it wrong all the time. Your leaders, we get it wrong. But we always come back to his word to course correct. We come back to his people and we come back to his spirit. And what's what's great is that as long as you have those three in your life, that you start to get it wrong less and less. And he's always faithful to guide you back. He's always faithful to get you back. Like, can I be a testimony that he's faithful? Because I've gotten it wrong so many times. Raise your hand if you've tried to resurrect the mouse. I'll wait. That's like I've made poor life decisions. I've, please, like my testimony is that I was an atheist after being in church. Sat through Bible studies, came up to Rosa and mm, I think I'm good. I have thought that God was leading down, me down so many paths. But I'm still here. And in spite of my failure, he's brought me to where he wants me and where he needs me. Can I pray for you guys? At home, if if you want to say yes to this call, if you want to say, Lord, lead my path, say this prayer with me to yourselves or just allow me to pray it over you. Lord, I, I thank you for your word. I thank you for Christ uncensored. And I thank you for everyone in here who is willing to be bold enough to pray a dangerous prayer like lead my path. But Lord, I ask that you lead them, that anytime they feel scared, anytime they feel uh, fearful, that you remind them, that you guide their path, that whether they stray to the left, whether they stray to the right, no matter how long they've been out of the game, that you will always show them and guide them where your path is. And that we will be people who apply this message and become familiar with your word, your people and your spirit. Amen.
Amen. Now, if you're here and you haven't yet placed your faith in Jesus, can I let you know that it's our hope that if you're someone who's not in a relationship with Jesus, that something here today will have struck a chord with you. That that something here, see at Kuhau we believe that the Bible is one story that points to Jesus and it's Jesus who transforms us. It's Jesus who did all the right things that we could not do and then died a death that we deserved. And it's him that then enables us to have a life better than anything we could ever imagine. That's why we're here. That's why we do this. And it's our hope that, that something today spoke to you and that you'll join us on this journey of knowing God, finding freedom, and discovering purpose. So if that's you and you want to invite Jesus into your life, I want, I want to pray for you. Um, I'm going to ask if you're in person, if you could just raise a hand when I say to, I'm going to count to three. If you're online, if you could just type a hand in the chat, a little emoji, or just say, I want to start a life with Jesus, just so that we can pray for you, just so we can know who we're praying for. I'm going to count to three. You're going to raise your hand, and then I'm going to pray for, I'm going to pray a prayer that we can say symbolically giving our lives to Jesus. One, two, three. If that's you, just raise a hand. Jesus, I give you my life. Today, I am a new creation. I place my faith in you, and I thank you for your forgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I, I'm going to go. We're going to get into worship. But also, before I got up here, and I was just reminded while I was up here, I, I wanted to mention growth track again in a few weeks um, not in a few weeks in February we're going to be launching growth track again and again this it's it's all about leading our path growth track is how we facilitate the four-step journey to know God find freedom discover purpose and kind of kind of encourage you if you're someone who really really wants to go in on the learning how to hear from the Lord there are two things that our church provides that will guarantee that you grow in this it is growth track when, when we launch it and it is matrix that is actually beginning again tomorrow <laughs> where's our matrix graduates and our matrix students I promise you that those two things guaranteed guaranteed um, so you, you can also sign up for those things um, I just wanted to encourage you guys with that. We are done. We're going to jump into some worship. Once again, we want to thank you for tuning in. Subscribe now and stay connected to all of our latest messages. And if this message really blessed you, pass along the blessing by sharing it with a friend. We pray that you will be given the opportunity to apply this message, and we hope that you enjoy the rest of your day. God bless.